the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The people who gladly accepted the words of Jesus in general were the poor, because though the world may put little value on them, there is great value put upon them by God. That thought from Pastor Leighton Sheely as he begins another study in the book of James today on study verse by verse makes me think of the Sermon on the Mount and uh, Jesus' words about being anxious. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body or what you will put on. Welcome to another edition of our program. Pastor Layton is the senior pastor at Church of the Highlands in San Bruno on the web at highlands.us. And he has just finished verse 1 in chapter 2. My brothers, as believers in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ, don't show favoritism. And he moves on from there. Then verse 2 is interesting. For if a man wearing a gold ring and fine clothing comes into your assembly, and a poor man in shabby clothes also comes in, and if you pay attention to the one who wears the fine clothing, and you say, hey, you sit here in a good place, while you say to the poor man, you stand over there, or sit down at my feet, have you not then made distinctions, or as the word is translated in the New International Version, discriminated among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? And so to illustrate his point, James draws this hypothetical picture of two men entering into a Christian assembly, a church service. And one is well-dressed and his fingers are covered with rings. It was very commonplace at that time in that culture for you to, uh, uh, somebody that was ostentatious to wear rings on every finger except the middle finger. In fact, one ring was not enough, so they'd wear multiple rings on their fingers. And in fact, if they were going to some party and wanted to impress people, they'd go out and rent rings so that they had to have rings on their fingers. And one of the clearest markers of status in the Roman world was how they dressed. In, in fact, only those who were senators or of a senator's family could wear the white toga with the broad purple sash. What they wore was indicative of where they stood in society. And, and many people had nothing more than what they could make at home uh, for their clothing. The rich man's ushered to a special seat with ceremony and the the poor man's bidden to squat on the floor or, or, or whatever. And, and you know, the Jewish people at that time had a practice in the synagogue of putting the most important people closest to the scrolls. And that practice was carried into the early church. And what James is saying is, no, it must not be that way in the church. It is our relationship with Christ Jesus that gives us our dignity. It doesn't come from our possessions or our profession. Now, no doubt, there were some major problems, some challenges that that early church had to contend with because you realize that what Jesus has called us to and called them to was very distinct from the environment, the culture in which they had been raised. This is a culture that is pre-Christ. And uh, in that culture, in the eyes of the Roman law, you had the wealthy who were slave owners and you had slaves who were nothing more than property. They were just tools. 
And the church was the only place in the ancient world where these social distinctions did not or should not have existed. And there, there must have been a, a, an awkwardness when a master who was a new believer came into an assembly and found himself sitting next to his slave. Or even more dramatic than that, if his slave is actually the one that's preaching and giving the sacraments. That must have required an immense adjustment. And, and furthermore, it, it must have been a tendency, if somebody that was rich came into the church, there was a temptation to make a great fuss over them and make them a trophy. And, and in fact, that, that is the same practice that happens today. I can remember a, a few years back when I heard about some famous person that went into a church and supposedly made a profession of faith and that church was announcing that this person had, uh, had been in their church service and accepted Jesus, and, but years later, there's no evidence that there was actually a life that was transformed at all. So the same thing can happen today. And, and those who act this way become judges with evil thoughts. And the word discriminated is from the same root word as the word judges, as in judges in a courtroom. And so what it's saying is they had assumed the role of a judge in a courtroom and that their judgments were unjust. Uh, and, it, and, it, and we hear this instruction in Leviticus chapter 19, verse 15. You shall do no injustice in court. You shall not be partial to the poor or defer to the great. But in righteousness shall you judge your neighbor. And so Leviticus uh, tells us to give no preference to either the rich or the poor, but to do what's right in the sight of God in both cases. Now, such impartiality was not common in the ancient world. Preference was almost always given to the rich at the expense of the poor. In Western civilization today, the opposite condition is common, where preference is given to the poor at the expense of the rich, and neither is right in the sight of God. The church must be the one place where all such distinctions are wiped out, because in the presence of God, we are all one in Christ. Verse 5, listen, my beloved brothers. Has not God chosen those who are poor in the world to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom which He has promised to those who love Him? But you've dishonored the poor man. Are not the rich ones the ones who oppress you and the ones who drag you into court? Are they not the ones who blaspheme the honorable name by which you are called? It's important for us not to misunderstand what James is saying here. He's not saying that all poor people are rich in faith, nor is he excluding the rich from the ranks of the saved. Nor is he suggesting that poverty is any merit. But what, one reason that God has chosen those who are poor can be easily seen in the account of the rich young ruler, where Jesus indicated that those who are rich find it exceedingly difficult to enter God's kingdom because of their attachment to their wealth. God blesses those who willingly recognize their spiritual bankruptcy. Blessed are the poor in spirit. It's not that the church and Christ do not want the rich and the wealthy, but the simple fact of the matter is the gospel offers so much to the poor and demands so much from the rich. 
that it tends to appeal to the, to the, to the poor in, in, in great numbers. The people who gladly accepted the words of Jesus in general were the poor, not the rich, like that rich young ruler who went away sorrowfully because he had great possessions. The gospel of Christ is especially welcome to someone who is poor. Because though the world may put little value on them, there is great value put upon them by God. Now, there's another reason why God chooses the poor, and it's stated explicitly in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 26 and following. Remember, dear brothers and sisters, that few of you are wise in the world's eyes or powerful or wealthy when God called you. Instead, God chose things the world considers foolish in order to shame those who think they are wise. And he chose things that are powerless to shame those who are powerful. God chose things despised by the world, things counted as nothing at all, and used them to bring to nothing what the world considers important. And as a result, no one can ever boast in the presence of God. God has united you with Christ Jesus. And for our benefit, God made him to be wisdom itself. Christ made us right with God. He made us pure and holy, and he freed us from sin. Therefore, as the scriptures say, if you want to boast, boast only about the Lord. And so God often selects those who have nothing so that no one can boast before him. Verse 5, has not God chosen those who are poor in the world to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom? The word he uses here is a word that can mean poor in terms of worldly wealth, but it also can refer to those who don't put their faith in worldly wealth. And so what he's contrasting here is those who have put their faith in God and those who have not. And and the phrase to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom indicates that the poor have not only riches in this life because of what Christ has done for them, but also in the kingdom to come where rust does not corrupt and thieves do not break in and steal. And he says, but you've dishonored the poor men and we should never dishonor what the Lord honors. Christianity has always had a very special message for the poor. In Jesus' first sermon at the synagogue in Nazareth, he said, he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. When John the Baptist was having his crisis of faith and he sent inquiry to Jesus wondering, are you really the one? One of the claims that Jesus made in response was, the poor have good news preached to them. When Jesus began his Sermon on the Mount, which was the manifesto of the kingdom of God, he began with, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. During his ministry, Jesus attracted crowds and crowds of common people because the message of Christianity is that you, every one of you, is important to God. And he goes on, are, are not the rich the ones who oppress you and the ones who drag you into court? Now, in the society in which James is writing, it is bef- it's the Roman society before any influence of Christianity. And the rich have, are dragging people and oppressing the poor. And at those that were poor were so destitute that at times they might reach out to someone to borrow something. And there was always money lenders there that were willing to Uh, make them pay an extortion price. 
And in the ancient world, there was this custom as well of summary arrest, where if a creditor met a debtor in the street, they could literally seize them by the collar and drag them into court. And that's where that phrase came from. They don't know sympathy. They didn't know mercy. And what James is pointing out here is the church is imitating the culture of the day, which doesn't make any sense. It's foolishness. And I'm afraid we'll have to rather awkwardly end it there today. We'll pick up at this same spot on the next edition of Study Verse by Verse, a ministry outreach of Church of the Highlands in San Bruno with the teaching of Pastor Leighton Sheely. I'm Mike Trout. This is a daily visit. And if you'd like to know more about the church, go to their website at highlands.us. This ministry, this broadcast outreach is on the web at studyversebyverse.com. You can join with us as a financial partner when you go to that website, studyversebyverse.com. One of the ways the Church of the Highlands offers additional insight into God's Word is to provide the Highlands Institute, almost a seminary-type setting for students, quote-end-quote, like you or me. You can find out more about uh, the Highlands Institute on the website, highlands.us. That's highlands.us. I'm Mike Trout. Thanks for joining us. Be back tomorrow when we'll continue our study in the book of James, verse by verse.